When you think of tuberculosis hospitals in the United States, one place springs to mind. Waverly Hills, sanatorium outside of Louisville, Kentucky. But did you know that Cincinnati was once the home of one of the country's first tuberculosis hospitals? Built 13 years before Waverly, Dunham Hospital was the place where Cincinnatians sought treatment for tuberculosis, aka the White Plague. However, most did not recover. Tonight, we dive into the medical history of the Queen City yet again and visit the restless spirits of Dunham Hospital and its haunted underground death tunnels. And welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Kat Loco, and along with me on this spooky journey into medical history of the Queen City, we have Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. They will be joining me in just a second. You can stay up to date with our show by following us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And please join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts, so you can chat to or with other people that listen to this podcast, all five of you. Of course, we're dying to hear about your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it on our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. You can find our podcast wherever you listen, and you can watch the show feed on YouTube. Just find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Please take a moment to rate and review us on those platforms so other spooky story lovers just like yourself can find the show. Of course, the link is in the show notes. Also, I want to take a minute to say thank you to all of you who made it to the Highland Heights Comic Con that happened yesterday as of this recording. It was great meeting all of you. Hello, all you new listeners that met us at the Comic Con. It's also great that you're joining us on this wild ride through Cincinnati and area history. It's quite fun, and I hope you enjoyed. Please don't forget to rate and review us. So I got to plug that in at all points. So... Christina, how did you like the show? And Jen, you helped me at the table. <laughs> and it was great. We were so close to one another. We were just waving <laughs> at each other like, hey, <laughs> right from across the... the I, I really didn't know what to expect. First years of shows, it's you really don't know who's going to you know, show up. And mm-hmm. it was very well attended. We were very impressed by how many people came out. It turned out really well. I had my independent study illustration students take over Mm -hmm. my table and they had so much fun i mean they were just bridget i think had the most fun ever she was like i this is my first table and i'm going to be doing a lot more and she said she was going to do anime ohio and all these other ones so she was really excited and so were the other uh we had some prints from another one of my students who came for just for a little bit and Mm -hmm. but a lot of my students were there walking around you talked to some of them and i think they had a really fun time i mean it was really it was really cool and of course, that saved me from having to prepare to have a table too. <laughs> yeah, that it, making making sure your table's all ready. I started the day terribly. I forgot all of my tabletop decorations, <laughs> all of them, um, all the things that you use to like that book rack and things that you prop mm-hmm, up the mm-hmm. books and all that. Completely forgot them. Did not realize I had forgotten all the tabletop displays until I was walking into the student union yesterday and was like, Oh, Nike, what have I done? So, um, thankfully, uh, Tim Fuller, who is friend of the show, art director on the cabinet of curiosities happened to have extra sitting in his trunk of the car and he was able to bring them over for me to use. So I appreciate that a lot. And I borrowed other little book props from other people. So, uh, That's really yeah. nice. That was really good. And unfortunately, Ken, the guy that was right next to us, forgot his tablecloth. And oh, we no. went around asking if anyone had an extra and no one brought an extra. He, so, I did have some little tablecloths. Oh, man. Yeah, you should have asked you then. <laughs> well, you know, because I brought several. I wasn't sure how big the tables were going to be. And mm-hmm. so I brought three mm-hmm. in case one. And then the one that I brought 
was gold and happened to match the Norse colors perfectly because mm -hmm. I, we had the, we were uh, at the, a colleague and I were taking care of the NKU table, you know, where we were kind of selling the uh, School of the Arts program. And I brought a tablecloth that fortunately the colors are gold and black. And so it looked perfect. And I only needed one of them, but I had two other little tablecloths in case, because the tables were a little shorter than usually you get at cons. And I was worried yeah. I wouldn't have enough length for a tablecloth. So I did have two, but I don't, I, so I, maybe <laughs> it's too late now, but sorry, he did, didn't have a tablecloth. Yeah, it, I think you did fine. He had everything yeah. else. I don't think I even noticed he didn't have one. Yeah, and I, I think he did fine. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I might even have a table skirt from space from years ago that I never used. I wow. mean, I still have a lot of stuff around. Yeah, I just don't go to conventions as much anymore. As mm -hmm. as I, I will probably start going to some again, but maybe not till next year or so. Mm -hmm. Probably just as because a of the vendor or yeah. It, I mean, you know, as as working on other projects. I mean, it's not that I don't you know how it is it's like there's just a lot going on right now project wise mm -hmm. that i need to get finished and with all mm -hmm. the travel this year yeah it's yeah. gonna be yeah. and you're traveling a lot this year too aren't you kat you're going to i am so i'll be in alaska in may so yes <laughs> to our alaskan listeners question mark <laughs> um i'll be, be in Juneau, there. alaska in uh may for the alaska robotics it is a comic book shop it's the name of a comic book shop they have a mini comics con that will be in Juneau, Alaska at the event center downtown. So I'll be there with a cabinet of curiosities sending, bringing all of that across the country and up into Alaska to like go, this is the quirky stuff that we have going on in Cincinnati. And then Christina, you're going to New Zealand. Yes. I'm going uh, from the 12th to the 25th and mm -hmm. going for the Urban Sketchers Symposium. And of course, while we're there, we're going to see all of our favorite Lord of the Rings uh, yes. sites. I expect a you shall not pass at of least course, of course. three or four times a day. I want to see <laughs> tons and tons of photos from both of you. From oh, your yeah. trips, okay. Because okay. I'm going to live vicariously because I haven't been to either and I really want to go to both. <laughs> I'll take uh, the you... photo of an eagle attacking me. <laughs> oh, I hope that. Okay. Well, you know, that that you never know. Something like that might happen. I actually have a really funny anecdote about that. Oh, yeah. did you get attacked by an eagle? <laughs> not, an, not an eagle. But uh, aren't you doing a retreat too in June? I am. So it's, it's a retreat connected. and then a show? Like, the, mm -hmm. is that kind of how it works? Yeah. Um, the The first day is we go around to the schools and talk about being comics creators. Oh, the nice. second day is the comic mini comic con, and the and then the following days they truck us out to a, a cabin in the woods. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to die, aren't I? Um, <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And, Just don't uh, pick up any hitchhikers. This yeah, is our antique oh axe collection. Yeah. Um, and oh my goodness. that's not rust. It's blood. It's oh, dried blood. I'm going to die. But anyway, <laughs> um, it, it's a few days. It's a conference. So we're talking about the business of comics, how the industry is going. And then also apparently playing a lot of tabletop games and awesome. whacking each other with pool noodles. I'm there's some LARPing that's going to go on with pool noodles. Somehow well, that involved. sounds like the perfect week. Yeah. Yeah, that's of course if it's not raining. And I am, I have made arrangements to stay in a haunted hotel while there. Oh, excellent. Yes, I was just, I turned to Mike and I was like, I am going to stay at this haunted hotel. And there's a few other uh, attendees um, who are going to as well. So we have a small little party and mm -hmm. we're just going to, uh, it's an old bed and breakfast now. And uh, we're going to see if we can find some ghosts. It's a great way to meet other artists. Are, are you it going is. with people you already know, or nope. is this an all? I oh, know so it's no one. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. You know, just kind of text us every night before you go to bed. Just yeah. make sure you're still alive. I can do that while I'm actually in Juno proper. I can't do that when I'm at the campsite because, of course, there's no internet. There's no inter yeah, no yeah. internet access. Uh, but you could probably like write something in stones that like a drone could see. From Maybe, them. yeah. Maybe you should take a drone with some sort of send a postcard, smoke signal, something. Yes, yeah, yeah something. Pigeon. Pigeons. <laughs> I, I was I go. was on a women's art retreat, and we were in 
I guess kind of the Puget Sound area. Area it wasn't Seattle. It's like north of Seattle where Port Angeles is, and mm-hmm. and we went to this. It was kind of like a mountain area. It was still very snowy there, and we went there to sketch. And one of the girls had just bought a mug, and it was in a little paper bag. And suddenly, this raven swooped down and f- took off with it. <laughs> And um, because oh, it no. thought it was a lunch, right? <laughs> and then it dropped the bag, and the and the mug broke. Aww. Oh, that's oh. why I was saying talking about tongue, right? it wasn't attacking it, but it was it was really funny. Yeah, that is really not, funny. Not, not to the person whose mug was smashed, but well, <laughs> at least I it did. didn't hit anybody on the head. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it didn't do that. It was it was. I think it was a very disappointed bird because it was hoping yeah. there was a sandwich or something in there. Yeah, yeah. those birds are way too smart. They're probably smarter than we are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. Speaking of wildlife, there is a dog in the room with me today. Today it is Chewy. We'll see if he gasses me. Um, Last episode, Nikki kept burning right below my chair. (laughs) So now Chewy's going to do the same. I apparently, yeah. um, So Chewy shot first, kind of sort of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. That's so. Star Wars reference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's yeah, he's right behind me. And so for our listeners, if you hear any dog tags or things like randomly falling down or moving behind me, it's the dog. It's the dog. It's not it's not a ghost. So speaking <laughs> of know- ghosts, should we do the yes. hospital? Yes, right. let's talk about it. This seems like an exciting topic. Yeah, this is one of the locations that I've heard on and off through time, uh, just doing ghost stories. And of course, I'm going to say right off the top, if any of our listeners have gone to Dunham Park and the recreation facilities and stuff there and have seen or heard anything or have stories of their own, please write them in. I would love to have more information about this place. Um, so yeah, you can email those to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com and we will share the stories on the show. So for tonight's sources, we have WCPO, the University of Cincinnati Library blog, Creepy Cincinnati, OhioMemory.org, and Ohio History Connection. So we'll also have photos that are from Ohio History Collection. I have posted them in our outline. I'm sure Christina will put them on social media. Those are going to be awesome photos from the 1920s. So Dunham Hospital. Prior to antibiotics being discovered to treat tuberculosis, sanatoria or sanatoriums were established all over the United States in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. In the early 20th century, the leading cause of death was tuberculosis, which killed one out of seven people in the United States and Europe. The disease is also known as TB, which I'll be saying because tuberculosis is kind of long. It's also known as consumption or the white plague due to how pale patients became as the disease consumed them. Trigger warning for those who are sensitive to symptoms of deadly diseases. Skip ahead about 30 seconds. A typical TB symptom, well, the symptoms included chronic cough, coughs with blood containing mucus, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. The weight loss associated with the disease is how it got its nickname consumption. Other organs also became infected, causing the additional range of symptoms. Death from TB was slow and agonizing. Although there, and welcome back all of our listeners, although we are talking about TB in historic terms in this episode, the disease is still occurring in populations around the world. Currently, as of 2023, Central Africa and parts of India, Myanmar, and Bengal have outbreaks. TB Alliance and the Global Fund are two charities out of many that are fighting the spread of TB currently. So check them out if you like to support fighting TB. But back to Cincinnati in 1816. That year, Cincinnati passed an ordinance for a pest house or an isolation house to be created, originally meant to deal with smallpox. Initially, the isolation house was located at the current site of the Cincinnati Music Hall. But in the 1830s, the funds finally came available for the formal isolation house to be built. The new isolation house was built at the site of Old Lincoln Park, which is now known as Cincinnati Union Terminal. This building was known as the Rose Hill Branch. I will say some of the history of this was a little bit um, spotty 
And the Rose Hill Ranch could have also been a place that was located in Clifton. So I think it started at where Cincinnati Union Terminal is now and was moved to Clifton once the terminal was built. I believe that's the timeline here. So between 1863 and 1878, Cincinnati saw a smallpox epidemic sweep through the city and the Row Hill branch treated most of them. According to 1878 records, they also treated six cases of yellow fever. In 1897, the 53-acre Gurley Farm in Green Township, Hamilton County, was purchased for the use of the county's newest hospital at a cost of $19,935. A new building was constructed with all the latest fittings for a modern hospital at the cost of $33,419. The hospital was christened the Branch Hospital for Contagious Diseases and opened in 1897. The new location was also conveniently located just down the street from a potter's field. I do want to note that they also used the original Gurley Farm farmhouse. So some of the photos you'll see is actually the original farmhouse that they retrofitted to make it into a medical facility and then added on to that. When the branch hospital opened, it was immediately home to 15 TB patients transferred from Cincinnati Hospital, which we now know as University Hospital. Buildings two and three were constructed in 1909 to house more patients, particularly building three was a variola hospital for those suffering from TB and was under the direction of Dr. Rockhill. He later became superintendent of the new now private hospital when it was separated from Cincinnati Hospital on January 1st, 1912 and became the Cincinnati Tubercular Hospital. A common treatment for TB at the time was a sleep or sleeping porches or solaria that were constructed onto building three. Many Cincinnati homes around the time that were built or remodeled also have solaria on them for this reason. You will see them if you're walking up and down the streets. They look like uh, square porches that have windows because originally that was all screening. And if somebody was sick, it wasn't just necessarily tuberculosis. They lived on that porch in isolation from the rest of their family. Some of them are up front of the house. There's a few here in Oakley and Hyde Park that are up front. Most of them usually are located in the back of a building. But it's fun going through and seeing all these old houses and seeing the solaria that are built built as additions. And that's what they are. Now they look like sunrooms, but that's what those originally were. The Anti-Tuberculosis League campaign in 1911 also secured $350,000 worth of bonds after the general election to help further improve the hospital. By the time construction was completed in 1920, the hospital had 450 bed capacity plus lodging for doctors and nurses working at the institution. There was also an occupational therapy building, a preventatorium or a ward for those infected but not showing outward signs of TB for children of patients in addition to a school where they attended class. So for more context, this was a children's TB ward meant for them, and they also went to school. It was only used for those that had TB but were not symptomatic, but it was still a TB ward. So it, it's, preventatorium is a word that was new to me, and apparently it's just a historical medical term. In 1927, Hamilton County took over the occupation of the hospital, and it became the Hamilton County Tur Tuberculosis Hospital. And that's when the entire campus grew to having so many out. When I say outhouses, I don't mean toilets. I don't mean privies. I mean, these would be extra structures for different accommodations of nurses, doctors, and patients. And somewhere I re read that there was 14 of them in total and about three of them still exist today. So, Dr. Henry Kennan Dunham was an elected president of the hospital in 1930. He would become one of the leading researchers of TB in the United States and discover the, pres the presence of a fan in TB-positive lungs via x-ray. The solid segment, when it's in the fan, is a solid segment of the patient's lung that Dr. Dunham identified as a definitive symptom of the disease. For his work, in the research and treatment of TB, the hospital was renamed Dunham Hospital in 1945 after his death in 1944. And I do want to note that he ended up working for 
before becoming the president in 1930, he had worked since 1900 at the hospital. So he had a very long history of work with TB and research. In 1946, a treatment was developed for TB. Swedish chemist Jorgen Lehmann, Lehmann discovers paraminic salicylic. Wow, I'm going to try that three a multi-syllable word there, para-aminosalicylic, the first wonder drug for tuberculosis. Because of this treatment, by the 1970s, there were only 200 patients with TB left in the hospital. Hamilton County decided to close the hospital in 1971, with the final patients being transferred out in June of that year. In 1973, the Dunham Hospital campus is raised, with the exception of the nurses' quarters, occupational therapy building, and the under the children's preventatorium and the underground tunnels. The occupational therapy building is now home to the Sunset Players Group, a community theater organization. It's also the auditorium. The old nurses building is now the Dunham Senior Group Center. The preventatorium was turned into the Allen House Orphanage, a former emergency shelter for the abused and neglected children of Hamilton County. Allen House Orphanage closed in the 1990s. It is now used as a recreational center. So that is where there are a lot of community buildings is in this old children's TB ward building. And it still stands and is used every day. And is super haunted. The whole park is said to be haunted since numerous hospital buildings used to sit upon what is now baseball diamonds, soccer fields, and swimming areas. And a frisbee golf course and a golf course. In the remaining buildings, people have witnessed ghostly patients roaming the hallways. The sounds of people coughing, sometimes severely, have been heard when no one else is in the building with the witness. Many of the people who are witnessing this is all janitorial and custodial staff that work at night. Doors are also known to open and then slam by themselves. Not gently close, they slam. Night cleaning staff have seen Odd lights dart in the hallways and on occasion hear noises in the building that are out of place or hear footsteps behind them as if they are being followed. Staff members reportedly will not stay in the buildings after dark on account of the hauntings. Phantom nurses have been seen walking through the garage where a former building was located as well as seen walking on the baseball diamond where the main building was once located. According to some local residents, the golf course or Frisbee golf course was once a potter's field where they would also bury medical waste from the hospitals in medical waste pits. They never dug those up. There are body parts still buried underneath those fields. And other fun things. And fun, I say sarcastically. The most notorious haunted area is the tunnel system, since it leads to the laundry and boiler rooms, or it used to. According to staff, an incinerator was located there where bodies would be cremated. Once a patient died, they would be taken to the morgue and the tunnels in the basement and eventually find themselves cremated along with their clothes and the mattress they slept on. So that's very similar to Waverly Hills in their death shoot. It was because they wanted to keep the morale up of the patients who were being treated. And uh, since you had people standing and sitting in the solaria, being able to watch the entire campus, all of these bodies had to be moved out of eyesight. And that meant through a tunnel system. Thousands of people passed through the tunnel system during the long life of the hospital. Staff had had to go into the tunnel system or I should say the staff who have gone into the tunnel system currently have reported feeling a lurking presence like there is someone watching and following them through it. The sound of chattering conversations that can't quite be made out have been recorded in the tunnels and are reported along with the clacking of gurneys. Most of the tunnels are under the baseball diamond parking lot, garage, and auditorium but are closed to the public. They do have asbestos and the roof is actually unstable in many of the locations, which is why it's very dangerous for people to go through those tunnels. Mostly the tunnels are used for storage of old hospital equipment. Dunham Park is free to visit and serves the Western neighborhoods west of Interstate 75, such as Bridgetown, Chavoy, or Cheviot, Clovedale, Delhi, East Price Hill, Fairmont, West Price Hill, Western Hills, and Westwood. But if you become a member of the Recreation Center, you can also 
visit all the ghosts as well. So, how did I do? Was this informational? Informative? Very. I want to go in the tunnels. This is really close to where I live. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I'm, I'm on the border of Cheviot. Ah, yeah. So yeah. We're not in the, we're not in the, so we're not in the city of Cincinnati. We're in Green Township, but mm -hmm. we're like, I think about maybe an eighth of a mile away from the Cheviot line. So obviously, that, so that's not actually considered city of Cincinnati either, even though mm -hmm. we're 10 minutes from downtown. But right. I'm going to have to check that out because I'm not exactly sure where this is. I'm trying to, did you say it was on, what was the street you said it was on? Dunham Park Avenue. Okay, that's, I'm not sure where that, that's gonna, helpful. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to look that up really quickly on Google Maps and see where that is because, okay. uh, and how close it is to my house. Because I live on North Bend Road and it's really interesting because there's a history of Green Township and Remelin is the street my mom lives on. And, and that is one of the founders of Green Township, the last name mm. of some. And it's got a really interesting history um, beyond, I guess, the, the, you know, where you said they had the hospital and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, it, I was, we have a sleeping porch on our house, actually. Oh, yeah. nice. The little one. We made it into a catio. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> it, it, it didn't, we never used that part of the house forever. And then we, we put windows and I mean, it had windows, but we had it closed in. And so mm -hmm. we use that all the time now. Yeah. 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 It was really common to have those kind of porches at that time because there was no, actual way to really treat anybody that had yellow fever tuberculosis cholera yeah. any of those diseases um and they're all airborne diseases it's something we know well up until the spanish flu epidemic tuberculosis was killing so many people and then through it too it wasn't until 1946 when the vaccine was invented that people started being saved from tuberculosis and not having to deal with massive chronic like long-term effects of basically having this disease so what it, did it, you say it it's dunham avenue dunham avenue i think i said dunham park avenue but dunham avenue dunham, oh dunham avenue what was the is it considered cheviot or green township well oh, technically it's originally green township because uh of the farm that they bought it from is in green township oh yeah there's the recreation complex it's on dunham lane in cincinnati ohio and yes. actually, four, 4356 Dunham Lane, which is the photo that pops up, that is the oh, old Allen home. So yes, that's the know where kids' it is. preventatorium. Hmm. The kids. Um, okay. Yeah, that's the kids' home. So and, it's kind of off Glenway and close to Rapid Run, which is yes. kind of an interesting area. Rapid I, I, Run I've is seen also the, haunted. And we I, I've, seen the, I've seen the entrance to it but i've never driven and i've driven on sunset avenue which it's kind of af off of it's off mm -hmm. of Gurley, mm -hmm. but i know where it is now and yeah. a lot of that area is being raised right now like so many of those areas along queen's queen city avenue mm -hmm. have been torn down in a massive wow. uh i guess would you say renovation project i don't know like there's so many areas that have that are kind of in that area of westwood and I forget what that area is called that that's right by because it's it's not it's not price hill but it's i guess kind of next next to it it's kind of close to price hill but they've torn a lot of stuff down they've mm -hmm. also, like along westwood northern boulevard they've torn a lot of stuff down as well mm -hmm. and around clifton like that whole hill going up to clifton to burnett woods mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago they raised most of the houses that were along that road mm-hmm yeah, there's a potter's field that is uh, noted here that's off of uh, uh, Gurley Road that I don't think it's the potter's field for the hospitals or it's only a portion of it. Is it close to the this Rapid Run Park? Yes, it's in between uh, Dunham Recreation Area and Rapid Run Park. Oh, I is see, I see. Marked mm -hmm. as a potter's field? Like, could someone just go, go yeah, dig it in there? Yeah, you could go right bodies? there. I wouldn't go digging for things. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, it, it's just east of the Jewish cemetery. So, mm -hmm. um, and it looks like there's actually buildings on top of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yes. There is an apartment complex on top of the Potter's Field. Oh, of course there is. And now I, I will say this is just noted on Google Maps. That does not necessarily mean that is where the Potter's Field is. 
But if you live in that neighborhood that abuts the recreational mm-hmm. area, you are probably sitting very close to the medical waste pits. You know oh. what? I think I went to one of these places at the recreation area at one point because mm-hmm. they used to have the Society of Creative Anachronism meetings there. Yeah, and... it most likely was the auditorium, which is a mm-hmm. very modern looking building, uh, very Art Nouveau blocky. And mm-hmm. that's where um, that was uh, the occupational therapy building. And then there is the garage that's next to the uh, baseball diamond and that old building. And that is the old nurses quarters. So that's where all most of the ghosts are seen in the tunnels and on top of around um, the baseball diamond, the soccer field and to that building. That's where it looks like there's a couple Jewish cemeteries in the rapid run park as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did any of your research say how Dr. Dunham died? I did not see that, but um, I do not know if it was from TB or not. I think if he had died of TB, it would have been noted. Yeah. Yeah. um, Well, and you worked with it for so long. Yeah. 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 Which always amazes me with the people that took care of TB patients. Some of them got it and some never did. Yeah. I was looking up the statistics about... Just very similar to COVID, there was a lot of people that would contract TB but never show any symptoms mm. at all. Yeah. And uh, it really, the ones that were going to these sanatoriums were ones that were critically ill and yeah. were obviously showing signs. And it was possible just to um, have it and build an immunity and then live on. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't everyone. So go to school. Hmm? I yeah, think it's cool that they force them to still go to school. Yeah, you're just miserable. Yeah. Literally coughing. <laughs> well, up you your know, lungs they I and... remember even, and this would have been in the 70s as a grade school student um in Society Public Schools, uh, them testing the students for TB. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they still do. You mm-hmm. have to have a proof that you've had a tuberculosis vaccine to be enrolled in Cincinnati Public Schools. Mm-hmm. So I can tell from recent experience. <laughs> that you just had to make sure they had all the inoculations. And same with polio. They have to have yeah. a polio vaccine as well. Wow. And it's not a, TB's not sense. a one and done, is it? Or is it? I'm thinking um, of tetanus, maybe. Yeah, tetanus, tetanus is not a one and years. done. That you need okay. once every 10 years. Yeah. That's part of your Tdap. So. Yeah. I just got a new tetanus shot just a couple years ago. Yeah, same. And yeah. that's one of those ones, yeah, that if you get tetanus, you it it's not curable. Nope. You get it's a bad. locked jaw. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not a good one. I mean, not Mm -mm. that there's good ones, but there are no good ones. Like, (laughs) oh, but anyway, um, Mm. yeah, it's just interesting with all the ghost stories. It, I like the idea of the phantom nurses Mm -hmm. through the park. That just kind of makes my imagination go. There are people that have taken photos of what they claim is a nurse. Um, You can find those online. WCPO ran an entire news article a news segment about mm-hmm. these photos but uh i we don't have clearance to show them so i'm sorry everyone you just get to hear me talk about them but it's like a very it looks like a misty blue figure walking on the baseball oh. diamond mm-hmm. Maybe just go hang out there one night yeah it's uh, i think it's open till about 10 p.m every night oh, but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and the tunnels you will see the doors to the tunnels they are blocked by machinery so mm-hmm. people don't and also chained locked mm-hmm. so people don't go in them i would never suggest you go into the tunnels without proper uh breathing apparatuses shoes and people to guide you through them because it is a tunnel system and it has asbestos in it and please yeah. people don't breathe in asbestos it's very bad so and get permission before you go in there yeah always get permission before visiting any haunted location if it's a building that's privately owned or publicly owned in this case they are keeping you out for your safety not because of anything nefarious Mm-hmm. So, well it's interesting that they have a bunch of old equipment you were saying too mm-hmm. yeah that's what i want to see I yeah see old equipment yeah there's like old gurneys things like that um metal pieces that are just decaying down there i can guarantee you there are rats in there ew yeah oh i, I can believe you. that nope hazmat suit yeah you're gonna need a, bri- <laughs> a breathing mask and a hazmat suit to go into those tunnels i wouldn't go into them 
without that. Yeah, but, I'm kind of looking yeah. on uh, Google Maps, and there's not a lot of. It looks like the buildings I'm seeing are all newer kind of buildings. So they must have gotten rid of everything. No, there's three buildings. Yeah, I see them. Yeah, and they, the, those are the only three that survived. Ah, okay. Yeah, because they look kind of newer. Well, maybe they just renovated. They, they could have. Yeah. So yeah, the um the pool looks nice. It's got a slide. Yeah, that looks super fun. I'm just sitting here bummed that I'm not part of any of these neighborhoods because their water park looks amazing. <laughs> I do believe you can visit the Blue Ash one without being a resident. Blue Ash has a very nice recreational center. They really do. I mean, when the kids were little, uh, my sister and brother-in-law would take them up there, even though they have a pool in their backyard. Oh. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, so they could have variety, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I see something that looks like it might be a much older set of buildings. Mm -hmm. Like there's some newer buildings and then there's like some older ones here. Yeah. So you can... Basically, Dunham Lane and Dunham Way encompass, and in the middle of that would have been the main building. Yeah, the main it's got like some Art Deco kind of uh, on it. Yeah, because a lot of it was built in the 1920s. They got three hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars, and they went from being fifteen beds to four hundred and fifty. Wow! And somewhere where I could not cite, but I swear I read it, there was at max six hundred patients that lived in the facility. Wow. So I don't know how many doctors and nurses. I didn't find that breakdown. Interesting. But it's interesting that it's still haunted and people are still witnessing phantom staff members, really, and patients through the buildings and also just walking around the baseball diamonds. So It, it kind of has a, a Lunkin vibe because it was probably built similar time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like some of the details on the doors and the um, building, mm -hmm. you know, the deco details kind of yeah. echo that a little bit, uh, yeah. which hopefully these, these buildings will be saved because, mm -hmm. and then there's a new building kind of next to the pool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a, on the maps, it's noted as Tiger Lily Press. It looks like that mm -hmm. used to be the school building. Oh, is that where Tiger Lily Press is? Yes. Oh, I had no idea that's where they were located. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're located there, and I, from descriptions, that sounds like that should have been the school building, but oh, um, they. Okay. Let me look it up real quick. But I wonder why we don't isolate people anymore for diseases. Like, why don't we have a COVID hospital? I mean, it came on quickly or whatever, but it. Not that I want to segregate people, but it just kind of seems. We did isolate I, people. Well, but not like in a special compound, right? You would just be in a wing or whatever the hospital. I don't know. It, it's, I don't really know the answer to that one, yeah. honestly. I mean, like you would, you, TB patients, they would just send them off. The families would send them off to the hospital and sometimes they came back and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe the efficacy of that may have been... Not necessarily. I mean, I think in Mammoth Cave, even for a while, they had people with TB there, and they said it actually probably made it worse, not better. Mm -hmm. Oh, sending them think, away? Yes. Well, I think Mammoth Cave was very damp, and mm, <laughs> it yeah. wasn't necessarily. I mean, they at the time they didn't realize that what they were doing might make it worse. Yeah. Like a lot of treatments back then for these diseases made things worse rather than better. Yeah, I mean, you hear stories all the time from different pandemics, not just tuberculosis, but, yeah, you know, some of the treatments that they used for people made, made it worse or made Was people get sicker. Waverly specifically built to be a TB hospital? Oh, sorry. I was reading about Tiger Lily Press. Sorry. It's all right. I was like, tell me about your building. I I, I, I will listen. I will read about your history in a minute. Just tell me which building you're in. I, well, sorry. I just remember on the tour there that I think they said if it was specifically for to build. Oh, for yeah. TB. Um, Waverly Hills was specific for TB, just okay. like Dunham was specific for TB here. Every major they, city had a TB hospital. Okay. So some of them kept them. Some of them raised them. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I just remember on the tour of them saying that um, 
being up on a hill in the country just to make it nice and relaxing for the patients. And then mm -hmm. what I love about the building is you can see where those sunrooms were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I used to have a magnet from there, but it has since faded, unfortunately, oh. of a picture of just patients lined up, you know, yeah. sun. And yeah, it was a sad and beautiful photo at the same time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot like, yeah. um, oh, um, in Estes Park, Colorado, the Stanley Hotel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily a sanatorium in this particular sense, but it was built to be a recreational spot for curing. So you had fresh air, which was the entire concept behind those um, solaria was to get fresh air into the lungs to get the, to expel yeah. all the bad air yeah. out or the miasma. Mm -hmm. By the way, the printmaking studio is in the lower level of the schoolhouse building on in Dunham Re Recreation Center. So, oh, okay. I had oh. no idea that's where, I mean, I've seen videos and pictures. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we have friends that go there um, yeah. and I had no idea and that's where it know. was. We yeah, should ask, there was the schoolhouse. We but, should ask Vanessa next time we see yes. her if she's ever seen anything there. Or if we can go in. Yeah. Um, if we can go in. I know yeah. for sure we could probably go in. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, Waverly Hills is a good example of what that structure looked like. It's yeah. really an excellent preservation of that medical history of the United States and Europe and yeah. how we tried to fight this disease like i said one out of seven people died of it at the time that's a massive amount of that's people awful it's 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 interesting that people act so shocked about pandemics because they really are sort of the landscape of history they really are Duh. um we went through a lot of them back when even in just cincinnati cholera was a really bad one as well mm -hmm. i say polio and polio and was terrible there's yeah. still people that live in iron lungs who contracted yes. polio in the 50s. Yeah, so that's amazing. not a dead disease at all. No. So I was I was thinking of the um uh like pictures you see of smallpox and it's just dreadful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately they don't really because they thought smallpox was totally eradicated. Mm -hmm. But I mean so I I never got the vaccine for smallpox because like Most I was stressed. Stressed. don't yeah, because, well, because that was the, actually it was cowpox is what you got an inoculation from. Those people that have those little um, scars on their yeah. arms. I was going to say, I have a scar on my arm. You may have got, you may have still gotten it. Um, I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. Huh. So. And it's just as, as they, they, they completely eradicated it, which mm -hmm. is good because if you see pictures of it, it was pretty scary. Yeah. It was gross. a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could see how. And I think a lot, when did when did tuberculosis first become get become a name disease? Do you know off the top? So of I I looked up the basically it was a name disease back during the Greek culture era. So it's been with us a long time. Yeah, it's been with us for a very long time. Um, I because I, I was like, what's the entomology of um, the term white plague? Because I'm like, mm -hmm. that's oddly specific. And that's from the 1700s in Europe. Really? That term um, known as the Great White Plague. Because people just got super pale as you basically were internally bleeding out from all of your organs failing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it's everyone turns pale when that happens. So, um, yeah, the, it's tuberculosis kind of comes from the Greek term, I believe. Tuber. tuber. Yeah which mm -hmm. was their term for tuberculosis at the time. Um, so it's been with us for a very long time, like you said. Mm -hmm. I have a, a friend of mine, uh, I think her great aunt, because mm -hmm. after tuberculosis, Waverly was turned into um, a senior care center, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, her great aunt stayed there. Wow. Oh. Yeah, and she remembers going and visiting her there as a mm -hmm. kid. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, there's if there's actually a Facebook page for the Allen home that is not updated terribly often, but it a lot of people that lived there and were taken there um, talk about their experiences. So that is an another part of living history, medical history, and just social history of Cincinnati. That's not exactly positive either, but no. it's still important to know what happened. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, so it's there's just a lot of trauma on the property, 
And I do want to note there is a difference between, a, uh, for some listeners, um, a uh, sanatorium versus a sanitarium. There's two different things. So a sanatorium is where people would go to get uh, basically uh, rest, relaxation, and try to cure their diseases. And the sanitariums are where they were institutionalized people that had mental health disorders, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, disorders like that would be housed. So very different approaches to medical treatment. And uh, most people who moved into them never moved out in both cases. That's so sad. It is so sad. But okay. On that note, we have a haunt for tonight. (laughs) Woohoo! Let's let's be let's be cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, I'm hoping this haunt is a cheerful one, Christina. Oh, it's 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 super. You know what? One thing that was interesting reading this haunt, and there's been a couple that we've gotten like this, that are people will say I don't, and and I wondered if if you have seen this a lot from your experience. Do you, interviewing people and paranormal view people will have something paranormal happen to them and they preface it by saying i don't believe in ghosts or anything but this weird thing happened to me and i wondered how often that is and it's it's an interesting and that's kind of what the story is yeah it's super super duper common like i'm gonna say nine out of ten people when they are telling me their ghost stories will start Mm -hmm. with that and it's one reason why i very mainly foolishly say i believe in ghosts you can tell me your ghost stories i'm a safe mm-hmm. space because it's a hard thing to process when you're seeing a ghost you're just sitting there going mm-hmm. am i am i bananas is mm-hmm. this it for me like mm-hmm. have i died what am i seeing what am i witnessing and just through reading people's accounts through millennia mm-hmm. people have been seeing ghosts for as long as people have been people on this earth so it's an interesting thing to just kind of collect these stories to see what patterns we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want me to read it? Yes, please. Okay. Well, this is from Ian. And he says, just as I had mentioned earlier, I don't believe in ghosts as such, but I did have a weird encounter years ago while on a patrol in the army. So I was on point at the front. There were about five of us around 3 a.m. looking for the enemy training exercise. So not real enemy. We were in a wooded area miles from anywhere. Since I was on point, my senses were heightened. I swear to God, I could see two silhouettes and could hear faint mumbling. So I stopped my men and the officer came to me. I whispered to him that I think I spotted enemy. He said he knows that the enemy is another six kilometers away. Can't explain what I heard or saw. Maybe a ghost, sleep depravity, who knows? But it freaked me out. Ooh, that is a good story. I thought so too. It's a creepy yeah yes. thank you for submitting that yeah Ooh. faint mumbling is the two silhouettes and faint mumbling yeah that sounds exactly like stuff reported at dunham <laughs> yeah yeah the, you know, the faint mumbling going back to we 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 are so trained to believe our eyesight mm-hmm. we don't you see it it's true right so right. i i've always said that i don't want to see a ghost i don't mm-hmm. know i think my brain might break feeling one maybe or like if a tug of the hair or a tap on the shoulder or like the laugh we heard at uh the anchorage mansion mm-hmm. i could deal with that i don't know about the vision because like you don't know if your mind is playing tricks on you mm-hmm. yeah it, it's interesting when i'm ghost hunting i prefer to ghost hunt with my glasses on this is just a weird thing so i guess tmi I have astigmatism in my right eye. So when I'm wearing my contacts, light does play tricks on me, literally from the scientific principle of how light data is being absorbed by my brain through the the contact lens. So when I'm driving at night or going ghost hunting at night, I prefer to wear my glasses because I can see more clearly. And if I see a presence, it's easier for me to go, oh, that's probably a person or Oh, that could be somebody who's not part of our party. So it's it's just knowing those little things about yourself that I helps with ghost hunting. I can't wear contacts anymore because of my stigmatism. I mm-hmm. I'm super, I still have that blurred vision. Mm-hmm. But even with my glasses now, as I've gotten older and my um, Oop, I got that the bifocal me. thing, you know, 
I, uh, I see things out of the corner of my eye all the time. And half the mm -hmm. time I have to go, wait a minute, was that a reflection of my lens or whatever? Mm -hmm. It's, it's weird now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The spookiest thing is when you're seeing a shadow person walk down a hallway in broad daylight with like a fully lit hallway yeah, and you're just sitting there going, <sighs> physics doesn't make sense right now. Nope. <laughs> nope. The light should be going through that, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> that is a full walking shadow going down the school hallway. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> no, I went towards it. I'm like, how is this working? Like, no, Bye-bye. No. Go, go the <laughs> other way. <laughs> I mean, it's possible people see a lot of things that they just don't interpret. Like, how would mm -hmm. you know unless someone's yeah. dressed weird or, you know, whatever? Sometimes it probably is something you just don't take in. Well, yeah. it's just like the doppelganger that I saw um, years ago where myself and the person I was talking to, we were both watching the doppelganger and it didn't occur to us at first that the person was there twice in the room. Yeah. And it was only until the doppelganger was acting strangely by not turning around or moving its arms mm -hmm. where both of us started getting our suspicions up that this wasn't somebody who normally walks around with other people. Mm -hmm. And then it just turned around and disappeared into thin air in front of our friend and mm -hmm. spooked all of us. We did. We left the this the only time I have left an investigation early. All of us did because mm -hmm. it, it just spooked all of us so badly. Is that so, their main purpose, just to scare the crap out of you and to mess with you? I think a lot of times, yes. <laughs> yes. No harm, but just to mess with you. I, I will say, from all the different doppelganger stories that I have heard over the years, not a one of them has been malicious. They've always been prankstery. Mm, um, okay. And even the people that work at Mansfield Reformatory, that is just notorious for doppelgangers, actually take it as a, as a good sign that the ghosts there like you. Because hmm. they are pretending to be you, not in a malicious way. Huh. It's kind of like an honor to be doubled by one of the ghosts there. You know, somehow that feels to me like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where they talked about the aliens buzzing Earth mm -hmm. and putting on dealy boppers and making beep beep noises. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. I would still be unsettled by that, though. <laughs> yeah. With the... I mean, yeah, is seeing a sure, okay, person... copy me, but what the no, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> Shadow people, I don't like it when they jump in front of you, like suddenly, bam, they're right in your face and you're just mm -hmm. looking at inky darkness and you're mm -hmm. just like, well, I did have depth perception, but now it's gone. Thank you. Like, How often does that happen? Is that something that, I mean, it might freak Jen and I out to know how much this happens to you, but how often does something like this happen? It's happened three times to me, twice at Mansfield. Mm -hmm. um, oh interesting yeah so um it's and then another time was actually in bellbrook ohio during an investigation there mm -hmm. and usually i i interpret it as an intimidation tactic mm -hmm. they're just like i'm super spooky look how spooky i am bam but mm -hmm. um it's i've been i've never actually tried to poke <laughs> it i'm usually too startled <laughs> and trying not to trip over myself mm -hmm. so it's only happened three times in 15 years. Okay. So, or almost 20 years now. Yeah. So not frequent. Okay. It's usually if a shadow person is going to do anything, they're going to be around corners um, or follow you and other people will see it, which has happened to me before too. Um, it, it usually doesn't pop right in front of you. Not like Emerald mm -hmm. where it's like, bam. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that does not. That's not usually how they operate. They're usually sneaky around doors, which is also yeah. where you're in the dark and you're just like, am I seeing a person peek around a door frame right. or is it just my eyesight? And you question yourself. Well, so. I told you when I was there at Mansfield on one of the ghost hunts, once there was a team there doing ghost hunting and I didn't see it in person, but I saw it float across the screen of their mm -hmm. video camera. Yeah. And uh, or they had a, they actually had a TV set up the mm -hmm. video feed and i mm -hmm. just saw yeah i was just walking like a man across the hallway yeah yeah um you see a lot of shadow people up at mansfield above the bullpen like so in the attic which was their kind of old tb ward and contagious yeah. disease ward so at the attic they will have the large blinking lights of the air conditioning units that are in the building so you're basically standing in a room with the units 
And at the time when I went, it was July. So they were on. So that does make kind of a mumbly Mm -hmm. uh, white noise sound. But we were instructed to turn off all of our lights, all of our flashlights, and they turn off the overhead lights. And you could see something walking between these two blinking, not, not even blinking. They were steady red lights. And it was witnessed by at least eight of us in our group. Oh, wow. Somebody pacing. And wow. um, I, I got the impression that it was a young guy who was sick, but still able-bodied, like being able to stand and walk, mm-hmm. just pacing because he was waiting to be let out of there. Yeah. So that was the interpretation I got. Wow. Mm. And I guess on that note, so we can say we're a safe space if people want to tell us their ghost stories. You don't oh, have yeah. to say, I don't believe in ghosts, but. Yes. Yeah. It, it Unless kind, it gives you comfort to say that. Yeah. It, it's re- remember if you've experienced it, I probably have too. And I feel really bad. because So many people write in about things like seeing the shiny sparkles a few episodes ago. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen that too. Not that I'm trying to one up anyone. I'm trying to say, I've seen it too. Don't worry. You're not bananas or I am bananas with you. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to be encouraging and calm people down because a lot of people times it is it's shocking when you see a ghost Mm -hmm. even when it's somebody that you know it's even more so when it's somebody that you knew who's visiting so Mm -hmm. it's it happens do you remember in the beginning that the long story i read my friend submitted about growing up in her house oh yeah that was a long figurine bump knocker in the head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i think her mom is still alive and she said they they don't go upstairs anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. They just stay on the yeah. main floor. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even if you believe it still freaked her out, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. Well, maybe that would be something if, 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 if people would talk about this sort of thing more, mm-hmm. people would feel less uncomfortable about it. It seems or stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like that, they they try to take the authenticity away from people talking about what they've experienced and mm-hmm. i think that we probably would learn a lot more if people could feel more comfortable talking about these things right? yeah i think so too and uh, i find it kind of an interesting thing where people will swap out ghosts for demons mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and if that's how you want to interpret it that's all right that's going to be how you interpret it there's I'm not going to change that. And it's just an interesting take. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a little, I don't know. I, I don't want to judge people. So I'm going to just shut up now. <laughs> it, it's I, I'm trying to say that it's perfectly acceptable to believe that they are demons. It's an mm-hmm. interesting segment of uh, culture where they have been interpreted that way. Mm-hmm. It's not a new interpretation at all. And it's not just relegated to Christianity at all. There's yeah. a lot of Buddhist teachings where it's a, you're a, a version of demons too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, um, it's an interpretation though. And I really wish people would talk about it still, like you just said, Christina, because it would give us a lot more insight into what is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, people don't want to be called crazy either. No. Take it from someone who gets called crazy regularly. And I am not, it's just people that don't understand me or my emotions and mm-hmm. how I process things and therefore mm-hmm. I'm crazy. <laughs> well, we're learning a lot about how the brain processes information. Mm-hmm. That there's a large, large portion of the population that are neurodivergent, which just means that you process things differently than yeah. another segment of the population. You're yeah. not bad if you're neurodivergent. Yeah. It's no. Understanding that you process things differently. And if you once you understand that and accept it, then you can find alternative ways to process information at the right. same speed as people who aren't. Right. So it, to the point where neurodivergency almost, if it's so many people, like I actually, I don't know the statistics, so I'm not going to throw any out, but mm-hmm. there's so many, is it really neurodivergent or is it just another way that people process information? Well, hmm. I, I think that maybe there will be one day, they'll be able to see more than we see now. I mean, a good example is the invention of microscopes and how no one had ideas about, you know, cells and bacteria mm-hmm. and these very small, you know, microorganisms 
Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I was reading an article, I believe it was in The Guardian, and they said that the man who discovered like what sperm looked like was really embarrassed. Like he was horrified when he found out that there were these little molecules and animal, you know, the what he called animalcules. <laughs> and he and he was horrified by it and embarrassed, which is interesting. And I, I wonder if like if you were looking at other if you were looking at it other experiences and how people i mean again are people just afraid of what they'll find out i mean mm-hmm. for the better or for the worse i mean it sounds like from what you're describing and how people interpret entities that it may mm-hmm. not be a question of good or evil but just they just have different interests mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and speaking about discovery of stuff uh, march 24th is actually world tuberculosis day oh really so- you yeah, so this is very uh-huh. timely. March 24th, 1882, Dr. Robert Koch announced the discovery of the mic- Microbacterium tuberculosis. Oh, so that So March 24th is celebrated as the anniversary of discovering tuberculosis as actually a microbacterium. And uh, that's World Tuberculosis Day. Do we know how it got started? We just It just was there one day? Yeah. Tuberculosis? Just, yeah. It's kind of like COVID. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just it's an evolution of bacterium and there's probably just like covid there's a lot of different um i was just wondering about that if there's variations of different types of tuberculosis mm-hmm. oh yeah there are i just yeah. didn't mm-hmm. want to get into the nitty-gritty oh no no that's, that's yeah like that's for, that for all intents and purposes we're talking about pulmonary tuberculosis mm-hmm. that's the one that was so fatal but there was mm-hmm. different types of tb that um mm-hmm. had different types of symptoms that's why only out of one out of seven people would actually die of tuberculosis, even though the statistics were greater that more than that would have TB, but mm-hmm. only that percentage died. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's uh so anyhow. Do you think, do you think mm-hmm. COVID's gonna be ended? Not ended, but ended. <laughs> I mean hopefully it's, it's permanent. <laughs> yeah. It, right. It, the type of oh my goodness, the COVID Oh man, the coronaviruses are not new to humans. Not at and, all. And uh, COVID is just a, ver- a different variety of c- coronavirus. Um, I mean, a lot of colds are also coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But so it's never going to go away. It's going to stay around just like the common cold. Eventually, I think it will be like the flu vaccine that every year you're going to have to get a different type. Mm-hmm. And people may be screaming at me about vaccines right now. And that is fine. You're you can say that, but vaccines yeah. are good, and that is my opinion. Same. Yeah. Well, I remember when you know AIDS was first coming out in the oh, 80s, gosh, and yeah. it was oh. it was very terrifying because they had no idea why people were dying. Yeah, you know, people would. It was a, it was a pretty horrifying segment of. I, I would say it was more horrifying even than COVID in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because I think, at least with COVID, I think they kind of knew what it was, and it wasn't killing people. It was killing people, but not they didn't care well what what happened was a lot of people were suddenly dying and they didn't know exactly what it was and how to stop it and yeah and i mean there was a lot of racism played into it as well yes and although covid i mean probably i would argue that way more people have died of covid than of aids of course i don't know probably since covid has been the leading cause of death yes i think think it it spread more quickly i mean they were in a way they were lucky. I think the thing with AIDS is it had a lot of, because it had, there were so many unknowns, people were scared. It was a retrovirus mm-hmm. and it took years yeah. to get infected. But in a way that is like COVID is fast. And that was the scary yeah. thing about COVID. So mm-hmm. they, they were both scary, but for different reasons, I guess. Yeah. I, I shouldn't compare one to the other. No, they, they spread two different ways, but the, mm-hmm. they they are comparable in the way that society interpreted them mm-hmm, and basically mm-hmm. demonized them yes like, yes that's i think what i was trying to say yeah it, it's aids was very much seen because i was a kid during that epidemic mm-hmm. and um in indiana so keep mm-hmm. this in mind it was very much seen as something very the interpretations were very racist and homophobic extremely yes. extremely homophobic and like there was rumors that you could get it from a toilet seat if somebody who was part of the LGBTQ community used it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember Ryan White and Kokomo came mm-hmm. down 
contracted AIDS from a blood transfusion. And mm -hmm. he was a little bit older than me, but he was a Caucasian kid in Kokomo, Indiana, who had no affiliation with any of the uh, extremely uh, feared groups that had AIDS. And watching the communities trying to process this information and understand that AIDS is not something that is just an epidemic of certain populations of society that were mm -hmm. greatly and unrightfully feared at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then seeing that it could happen to anyone, just watching that entire veneer crack and crumble was mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. So, and I now we have more treatments for AIDS and it's not the death sentence that it used to be. Ironically, no. they might have a vaccine soon that is going to be an mRNA vaccine, which mm -hmm. is really That's amazing. That well, and they have stuff that prevents it. Yes. That mm -hmm. people can good. take. And it just, it's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. It is. I, yeah. cause I see the commercials for it when I'm watching stuff on Hulu and I was just like, mm -hmm. yeah, we have come so far for yes. that. And mm -hmm then it makes me wonder why we can't cure cancer. I mean, that's completely different, but that's a very different subject. Yeah. But it's amazing how far we've come with AIDS treatment and that mm -hmm. it's not a death sentence. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think with a lot of these illnesses, sometimes they have a blanket name that describes a bunch of different similar infections and that's mm -hmm. where they get difficult to treat because it's not monolithic mm -hmm. yeah nothing's actually monolithic that was one of the big life lessons i've learned is no group is monolithic one person mm -hmm. can't speak for everyone exactly so, yeah and on, on that note <laughs> yes and for on, i guess i'm going to speak stay for healthy. you two and say <laughs> thank you for joining us on another episode of the cincinnati cabinet of curiosities presents the hometown haunts podcast thank you for joining us uh, you can find us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And don't forget to join our Hometown Haunts podcast, which I am now hoping people write in about Dunham Recreational Park and not commenting about vaccines because that is beating a dead horse. So good night, stay safe, and keep it spooky, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye.